0: Welcome, welcome. We're glad you're here today and we're glad that you could join us for next today and be a part of what's going on here. Um, Day four of our series, Starting Over, and we are going to go ahead and launch. We've been talking about this uh, since the first of the year, starting over, making sure next time is better than last time. Making sure next time is better than last time. If you're starting over and you're starting over in a relationship if you're starting over financially, financially, spiritually, physically, in your career, academically, if you find yourself in a transition between a not-so-great round one and you have high hopes for round two, or if you're already in round two and round two is starting to look suspiciously like you're not-so-great round one, come on, that's true, it happens, then this series is for you, all of us, all of us at some point, find ourselves starting over so here at the beginning of 2018 whenever we've got our minds on fresh starts and starting over and trying things again we're trying to give you something that will help you in in making sure next time is better than last time and uh, this all comes from andy stanley pastor of north point community church in atlanta georgia brilliant incredible mind super smart um, and i'm teaching you this material because i need it I need it. Now, I'm hoping that you'll get something out of it as we go through it, but um, this, this is something that, uh, that I desperately need. You know, you never internalize something quite the way you do until you have to teach it to somebody else. So uh, this has been a great way for me to internalize some great stuff from Andy Stanley's, but I hope it's been good for some of y'all, too. Now, the first week we talked about three myths to starting over, and we're just going to go back through those again real quickly. The first one was the experience myth, and the experience myth says that, oh, since I've had this bad experience, then I'm wiser and I'll do better. But that's not true. That's not true, because experience doesn't make you wiser. Experience makes you older. Yeah, it makes you older, but it doesn't make you wiser. Experience alone doesn't make you wiser. What you need is evaluated experience evaluated experience is a game changer you need to evaluate your experience and that's what will make your next time better than last time the second myth to starting over that we talked about was the no better do better myth the no better myth the no better do better myth. and that is since I know better I'll do better not true because the jails are full of people that knew better right Just because you know better does not mean that you will do better. doesn't mean that you have the will to do better. It doesn't mean that you even want to do better. So just, I mean, you know, I know better. We know what to eat, but I mean, it's Tuesday morning and there's donuts in the break room. and I mean, they might have been left over from yesterday, but if you put them in the microwave and heat them up, that takes out half the calories and they're practically fresh again. You know, I know how much I need to exercise, but just so just because we know better doesn't mean we'll do better. Instead, what we need to do is we need to ask this question. Now that I know better, what must I actually do in order to do better? And then the third myth we talked about is the time myth. And this is the hard one, because this is the one that says time is my enemy. Time is my enemy. Time is wasting. Time is running out. Everybody else my age, all of my friends are. I've got to rush. I've got to hurry. I've got to jump back in. Jump back in. I've got to get started. That's a myth. Time is your friend, especially whenever you're starting over. Time is your friend. You need time to evaluate. You need time to engage those three steps to starting over that we've been talking about. And the three steps are, one more time, you got to own it. You got to rethink it and you got to release it. That's what we're going to talk about today. Release it. Let's go back through own it. Own it. In order for you to not repeat your negative history, you have to own your part of your negative history. Uh, You can blame your way into the future, but you can't blame your way into a better future. Because blame enables us to smuggle our issues into our own future. So if you want to make Peace with your past, then you have to own your peace of the past. And then we talked about rethink it. This was last week. And the big idea from last week was if you think the way that you used to think, you'll do the things that you used to do. And usually, whenever we come into a situation where we're having to start over at something, we all tend to ask ourselves this question at some point. It's a million dollar question What was I thinking? What was I thinking there was something that told me my mama said I had warning signs something didn't sit right. What was I thinking I chose to ignore I looked the other way what was I thinking but the problem is is that most of us never pause long enough and camp out on that question long enough to come up with a great answer for what's really a really great question what was I thinking. And so Paul talked to us about, uh, about that in Romans 12, where he said, don't be conformed to the patterns of this world, a little ginger, gingerbread man. Don't be just stamped out, but instead be a transformer bumblebee, right? Who wants to be, who wants to be gingerbread man cut out whenever you can be a transformer. I want to be a transformer. So he said, don't be a conformer, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. But here's our problem. Renewal takes time. It takes time. You've got to, It takes time to strip off the old before you put on the new, and you've got to do it because if you just slap some new without taking off the old, what happens? The new just—that's right. The new just falls right off. So you've got to take the time to strip off the old before you apply the new. It, it takes time. Sincerity and commitment, great, but not enough regret and resolve awesome but not enough not when you're starting over you've got to change the way you think and in order for you to change the way you think you actually have to pause long enough to answer the question what was I thinking and so then we talked about those six lethal assumptions these six thoughts that just tend to run in the back of our mind they're like they're they're buried in the code of our operating system and they kick out these responses that don't make sense to us. You know, why did I react that way? Why did I, why did I go off whenever that happened? What is it about that person just driving me? What was I thinking? Well, it's these six lethal assumptions. And even though we don't verbalize them or even consciously recognize them, they're there and they drive our bad decisions. And we don't have time to go back through those again today, but hopefully real soon they'll be on the podcast and up. So if you missed it, you can go check it out. Now today, Last step in starting over, we're talking about release it. And here's what I mean by release it. In week two, we talked about own it and we looked at, uh, we looked at the circle of blame. Renita, can you help me out? The circle of blame. Put that slide back up. And, and here's all of the blame. Here's all of the blame that, that explains what went wrong. This is uh, this is this is why your marriage failed. This is why your business failed. This is why you failed the class. This is uh, why she broke up with you. This is everything right there. All of that together—that's the circle of blame. Now, there's the part that's ours. That, uh, that little bitty spot right there—that's the part that's ours. That's the part where we were talking about whenever we talked about own it. And then there's the part that's theirs, the big orange part. That's, that's all their fault. That's everything they did wrong. So in week two, we talked about your fault. We talked about the blue part, the part that you've got to own. And that's the story that we like to tell. You know, oh, she was such a liar. She was such a liar. Or he, he was just, he was an unreasonable boss. Everybody hated that guy. He was so Selfish. Nobody could live with him. That teacher, she was, so, she was so cruel. She was so unreasonable. Nobody got on. And that's the story we tell. But we have to own our part. So in week two, we talked about discovering that piece of the pie that's yours. And one, I don't know if y'all remember this, but one of the things that we said is, depending on how painful that big orange part is, it'll make discovering and owning that little blue part much more difficult. Because if this orange stuff is really, really painful, it'll hide what's in the blue. Okay? So we talked about discovering that piece that's ours, but this week we want to talk about that other. So now we're finally going to get to talking about them and their fault and what they did. Talk about the rest of the pie. So the blue part, the tiny part, that's the part you're responsible for. That's, that's the part you got to own. So whenever we talk about release it today, we're talking about the rest of it that's not yours. This is the part that's somebody else's fault. And just like owning your part of the pie enables you to smuggle issues into your future, not dealing with the other part, not dealing with their part, enables the person or people who hurt you to smuggle their issues into your future. So you've got to own the blue part to keep from wrecking your future yourself. But you've got to release the orange part to keep somebody else from wrecking your future. If you don't deal with what you did, you smuggle your own bad habits into the future. But if you don't deal with this other this other part, if you don't deal with that the right way, you allow the people who hurt you. The people who betrayed you, the people who who deceived you, who fired you, who didn't give you what you deserve. You allow those people to actually influence your future. Now, don't raise your hands, but who wants to do that? Who wants to do that? Who wants to allow the people who have hurt you the most to continue to influence you and your future? That's why it explains why your current bad relationship is just like your last bad relationship. Your first husband said, you are just like your mother. So you got rid of him. But now your second husband said, you are just like your mother. What's wrong with these people? Well, the common denominator is you. All right, you keep following yourself around. See, this is fun already, isn't it? Here's the thing. None of us, none of us want the people who create chaos and pain and discord in our lives to have influence in our future. Nobody wants that. The only way to make sure, though, that next time isn't like last time. And the only way to make sure that they don't follow you into your future is to deal with what happened in the other segment of the circle. So I'm going to ask you two really insensitive questions. Now, I know we haven't had any Bible yet. It's coming. But here's here's insensitive question number one. How far, for those of you taking notes, this would be a good thing to write down. How far into your future do you intend to carry the angst created in your past? How far into your future do you intend to carry the angst created in your past? How far into your future do you intend? Well, I I don't really intend. I know, but you got to do something about it on purpose or you're intending. How long do you intend to carry the angst, the angst? And and, and I'm using that word because it's not just anger. It's more than anger. And it's not just fear. It's more than fear. It's not just anxiety. It's more than anxiety. It, It created emotion and it created this energy. It created sorrow. So we're just we're calling it angst. How far into your future do you intend to carry that? You go, well, I don't intend to carry any of it into my future. Well, what are you doing about it? You've got to do something. All right. Okay. Y'all didn't like that one. Let me ask another insensitive question. How long do you plan to allow the people who mistreated you to influence you? How long do you plan to allow the people who mistreated you to influence you? How long another week? Another month, another year, another season, another marriage, another career. How long? Well, Jason, I don't really plan any. Well, that's the problem. We don't plan. Dave, we don't plan. We just live. We just keep clucking along, winging it, hoping, all right, if I'll just peck over here for a little while, things will just miraculously get better. And if they don't, then I'll cluck over here. But it doesn't change because we don't we don't plan. We've got all these fears. We've got all these anxieties and bad attitudes and issues and people to the point that people even know what our bad attitudes and issues are. Because they'll be like, look, don't if you talk to them, don't mention. Don't say her name. Don't talk about what happened over at that church. Don't talk about what happened at the last. I mean, you don't want to talk about that. People even know what our issues are. And we allow the people that have hurt us the most to influence our futures. They camouflage themselves and they smuggle their way in and they continue to drive our emotions and drive our decisions. And it's real quiet, so either it's a bad question or y'all just don't want to think about it. So let me ask you an easier question. Have you ever heard somebody tell their story? you You've met them and and you think whenever you meet them, you get to know them they seem to have like this wrinkle free life, not perfect, but man, you just you talk to them, you're like man that that guy, that guy they've just they've really got their stuff together they're they've really got their life together you know they 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 seem they seem plugged in and and, and there's something there and and yeah, their kids are not perfect, but they don't really they're they're mostly sane and You know what, what what is it that they're doing? They're really doing it right. And then you hear their story. Then you listen to what happened to them in the past, and they've got this big gargantuan like Hydra monster from Percy Jackson thing in their past. And whenever you hear that, you're just like, (gasps) like, I I never would have I never would have guessed. I never would have guessed. I never would have thought. I never never would have known. And there's some people like that here today, it would blow your minds to hear some of the stories that are sitting in this room right now today. You would never guess she had that in her past. You would never guess that he struggled with that. You would never guess she had that type of addiction. You would never guess that he grew up in a home like that. You would never guess that she was exposed to that kind of life when you meet them now, there's like, it's like, there's no trace of that in their lives today. How do they do that? How do they do that? Have you ever asked them? I have, I really have. I've asked, how did you, how do you do, how do you go from being, Oh my gosh, to being like, I I just want to be just like you whenever I grow up. How did you get from what happened to you in your past to where you are right now? How did you go from such dysfunction and such pain to having it all together the way that you do? You're like, you should be in rehab forever. But you're not. How do you how do you do that? So there's this guy I'm friends with, and he's actually a former student of mine. Um, I'll call him Max. That's not his real name. We changed the names of people in here to protect the innocent, but Max has a story that is it is absolutely awful. Um, I'm not going to share all of it with you, but basically you hear it and, and you listen to Max's story. and You are like, dude, you get a pass. You get a pass. You can have a bad attitude. You, you can be bitter. You can be resentful, man. It's OK. Just take some meds and watch TV. You get a pass. You have every right to be angry and bitter. He, he, Max grew up in, in absolute poverty. Dad left whenever he was like three or four years old. Mom basically drank them into poverty. And whenever I would bring him home in the afternoons, he never wanted me to see where he lived because he was so ashamed. Man, just, Coop, just drop me off at the road. I'll, I'll walk in. Because he didn't want me to see the, the, the single wide trailer that was literally falling apart and the piles of garbage outside, just so embarrassed. And, and it, just, it was heartbreaking, the conditions that he lived in. Well, you know what? Today, Max is well on his way to being a doctor. He's in his second year of residency at a very prestigious university out west, has a beautiful wife, successful and driven in her own right, And just the chunkiest little boy, you just want to squeeze him. It's it's awesome what's happened in his life. Max basically pulled himself up by his own bootstraps out of garbage. And made a life for himself far beyond what anyone would have thought possible knowing his past. And I asked him the question, I'm like, man, how? How? Because I know what I struggle with. And my life has been a cakewalk compared to yours. How did you do it? And this is it. This is what he said. And I guarantee you, if you ask anybody else from similar type circumstances, you're going to hear something pretty much the same. You're going to hear them say just what Max said. He said, I decided. I decided I wasn't going to live that way. I decided my kids wouldn't be that way. I, I decided I decided. And in so many words, that's what everybody else says. How did you go through that, man, and not be crazy? I decided. How did you live through that and be able to treat people the way that you do? I decided. How did you lose that and and have to go there and still seem so happy? I decided. They made up their mind. And this is what they said. My past will, write this down because this is so good. My past will remind me, but it will not define me. Somewhere along the way, as bad as it was, as shaping as it was, they found the power to make up their minds. My past may remind me I'll take lessons from my past. I don't want a parent like that. I don't want to lead like that. I don't want to make people feel the way that that person made me feel. I don't want people to feel like that when they work for me. My past is going to remind me and I'll take some things from it, but it will not define me. They made up their minds. They decided. And I've heard it so many times. I know people like it. You know, people like it. That's why it's so powerful, because it shows us that you have the power to leave your past behind. You do. As bad as it was, you do have the power to leave your past behind once you make up your mind. You can do that. It can be done. Your past, your past, no matter how big, no matter how horrible and awful the story, no matter how scary, no matter how dysfunctional, you have the power to leave it behind when you decide There's enough pain in life. I'm not going to drag that along with me into my future. It's just not worth it. You know, there's going to be enough new pain, folks. I wish I could tell you a different story, but welcome to planet Earth. There's going to be enough new pain. There's going to be enough new drama. Enough new dysfunction. So I'm not going to keep dragging the pain Drama and dysfunction from the past into my future. So now that my introduction's done. If you want to make sure that next time is better than last time. Here's the big idea for this week. You have to release the past so the past can release you. You got to find a way. You've got to find a way to release the past so the past can release you. You have to. If you want to make sure that you don't drag the emotions of the past, the anger of the past, you've got to find a way to let go of it so that your past can inform your decisions but not control your decisions. And there's a huge difference. That's pretty good. You've got to find a way to release it so that your past can inform your decisions but not control your decisions. And I know you want that. Everybody does. Everybody wants that. Just like everybody wants to be thin and healthy. What's the difference? Somebody made up their mind. They decided. If you don't bring some intentionality to things, it doesn't matter how much you want it. It's not going to happen. You'll always find yourself wondering, why did I do that? Why do I react that way to certain people? Why, why do I always respond that way in certain situations? Because you haven't released the past. And you've got to do it on purpose. It won't just magically happen. You can't keep just clucking along winging it. You've got to be on purpose and intentional. You have to plan how to get there. And the Bible has a term for this. The Bible has a way to do it. Y'all are going to love this. It's called forgive. You're like, wow, thanks, Jason. I, I didn't know that already. But here's the thing here's the thing it works. That's why you hear about it all the time, because it works. You forgive. Forgiveness is so powerful because it allows us to leverage the lessons of the past without lugging the luggage of our past. It allows us to leverage the lessons without carrying the luggage. Forgiveness allows you to carry the lessons forward and leave behind the baggage. All of the emotion, all the habits, all the bad attitudes, all the assumptions. And we're going to go to a scripture in the book of Ephesians. So finally, some Bible on Sunday morning. This is a letter that Paul wrote to the Ephesians. Uh, It's a Christian church in the city of Ephesus. And you know what? If, If you're here today and you're like, man, I don't even know if I like Christians. That's cool because Paul got it. He didn't like Christians either. I mean, he put them in jail. He had them executed. So, you know, you've got some Christians you'd like to put in jail. So you've got some common ground with Paul. Paul hated Christians and then he became one. And he started all these churches around Europe and around the Mediterranean. And and then he would write letters to them based on their specific needs whenever he wasn't there. And here's what Paul said to the Ephesians about this whole forgiveness thing. So Ephesians 4, 26 to 27 in the NIV, he says, in your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry and do not give the devil a foothold in your anger. Do not sin. Let's, let's, we're going to pick this apart a little bit. In your anger, do not sin. In the Greek, he actually says it's it's, it's an imperative. It's two of them. It says, "Be angry, do not sin. Be angry, do not sin." Y'all didn't know you were living the Bible, did you? Because you be angry, you be angry. So you're living the Bible. But he says, "Be angry, but don't sin." Paul's saying there's an appropriate place for anger. There's a right way to be angry. You're angry, but you don't sin when people hurt you, when you don't get what you want, when you don't get to do what you want to do, when people take from us, whenever they take opportunities from us, Paul says it's okay to be angry, but there's a way to be angry and not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. I want to emphasize that do not part the do not, because that means you have a decision to make. If Paul's telling you not to do it, that means you have a decision to make. You have a role to play. It's not a passive thing. You don't have to be swept along by your emotions, swept along by your anger and resentment. Do not let the sun go down while you were still angry. Now, this can be taken literally. As in, you told your husband, do not leave the cap off of the toothpaste. But he left the cap off the toothpaste. And you told your husband, do not... Leave shaving cream and whiskers in the sink, but he left shaving cream and whiskers in the sink. And you told your husband, do put the roll back on the little toilet paper thing and not just set it up on top waiting for somebody else to come." And then your husband did all three of those in five minutes. And you brought him in, and you said, Look, I told you not to do this, you did this, and I told you not to do this. And he said, I'm sorry, and you forgave him. You didn't let the sun go down on your anger. Okay, so that's literal. But there is certainly anger that is too big for one sunset. Yes? There's certainly anger that is too big for two sunsets. Paul's point is how many sunsets? How many? How many sunsets do you plan for there to be before you finally deal with your anger, bitterness, resentment, bad attitude, whatever? How many more? A month more? Six months more? A year more? Because there's some deciding to do. There are some decisions to be made. And you can engage this process in such a way that your anger doesn't have to control your future. You can engage it in such a way that your resentment doesn't have to control your future. Don't let the sun go down while you were still angry. In other words, do something about your anger. Well, how do I do that, Jason? How do I just stop being angry? Well, we're going to get to that. But the first step is acknowledging that there's something you can do, that there's a decision that you can make. And then Paul said something absolutely brilliant. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. And do not give or do not grant or do not gift the devil a foothold. Now, I'm going to talk about the devil part in just a second, but let's talk about that last word, foothold, a little Greek lesson. The, uh, the Greek word is topos, topus. And figurative, figuratively speaking, it can be like an opportunity, but literally it means a staging ground or a space marked off for a specific purpose. Paul's saying, don't let the devil move into your life and set up shop. Don't give him a stage. Don't give him an office. Don't give him the corner office in your future. Don't give him an arena because if you don't deal with those emotions and deal with the junk that's in your life because of what was done to you, you give the devil an opportunity to, sh- uh, to set up shop and a staging ground and an opportunity, and he will continue to reach into and touch the things in your future because of what happened in your past. Now, check this word out. This word devil. In the, Greek, there, uh, in the Greek text, there's a word for Satan. Okay, like we all know who Satan is, right? The bad, the bad guy. In Greek, that's "satan," And it, that's like the adversary or the opposer of God. Proper noun. But that's not the word Paul uses here. This is cool. Instead, Paul uses another word, diabolos. And that literally means slanderer or liar or false accuser. And then in some English translations, it do, they don't even use the word devil. They use the word liar. And the best way to understand what Paul's getting at here is not to think in terms of like proper noun, Satan, the devil, the opposer of God. The best way to understand it is to and this is about to get really good. Take out the word devil. And put the name of the person or persons who have hurt you. So let's read it again. Ephesians 4 and 27. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on you while you're still angry. And do not, give, do not give Frank a foothold. I had to make sure we don't have a Frank in here. Do not give such and such incorporated a foothold. Do not give First Church of ABC of Mount Olive, Christian Holiness, whatever, a foothold. Do, watch, do not give Pastor so-and-so a foothold. Do not give, oh this is about to get good, do not give ex-husband a foothold. Do not give ex-wife, a, don't give mom a foothold. Don't give dad I'm back. (laughs) You thought I was gone, but I'm back. Don't give them a foothold in your life. Let me ask you another dumb question because I'm full of these today. Do you really want to give the person who hurt you the most a staging ground? A specific carved out place. Do you want to give them a place on purpose In your life so that they can continue to reach into your future and touch it. Of course not. And Paul got it. He understood it. If you don't deal with your anger, it doesn't matter what kind of future you hope to have. If you don't deal with your bitterness, it doesn't matter what kind of future you hope to have. If you don't deal with the emotions and the angst of your past, it doesn't matter what your hopes and dreams are. You are giving the people who hurt you, deceived you, betrayed you, whatever your verb is there, you've given them a permanent place in your life and a permanent place in your future. That's why he says don't let the sun go down. Do something about it. Do something about it now. You've got to decide. It might have hurt me. It might have derailed me. It might have caused me to have to start all over again. But it's not going to control me. It may inform me. But it's not going to control my future. There's a place for anger and we have to learn to keep anger in its place. So how do we do it? Check out Ephesians 4, 31 through 32. He says, get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ, God forgave you. Get rid of there it is again. We have a responsibility. We have a choice to make. We have a role to play. We don't have to spend the rest of our lives as a victim telling our sad story. He said, get rid of it. He said, get rid of bitterness. Paul's saying there's something you can do. There's something you can do to get rid of bitterness. You say, well, yeah. All they got to do is just come and apologize to me. And if they say it in the right way and use the right words, then I'll probably forgive them. Sometime. Look, that doesn't get rid of bitterness. I'm sorry, but an apology does not get rid of bitterness. It gives you an opportunity to say, I forgive you. But that doesn't mean you won't be bitter. It's your issue. If you're bitter, then you've got something to do. If you're bitter, there's work to do. If you're bitter, somebody else owning what they did does not get rid of your bitterness. That's on you. Get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as Christ in Christ. God forgave you. The word forgiveness in this context means to pardon. To pardon. We know what that is. We know what that is. The guys before the judge, the judge looks at him and says, look, you did it. You did it. You're guilty. You did it. And your attorney did not convince all of us that you didn't do it. We know you did it. And there's a consequence for what you did, but we have decided to not hold you accountable. You are pardoned. You are forgiven. Listen, the only way to break the chain between what has been done to you and your future is to pardon. And I know if I heard your story, I would agree with you. I would say, you're right. They deserve it. Let them have it with both barrels. But God thinks you deserve it. God who loves you thinks your future family and your future relationships deserve it. Deserve to be pardoned. The people who love you and care about you think you deserve it. The best thing you can do for you is to decide. 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 I don't hold you accountable. Yes, you hurt me. Yes, you took some things from me. Yes, you took some things that are irreplaceable from me. But you're free to go because you're not going to follow me into my future. Then Paul sets the hook. We've talked about this in here before sets the hook. If you're a Christian, you're on the hook. If you're not a Christian, you're off the hook. But if you love Jesus, you're on the hook for this one. Paul says, just as in Christ, God forgave you. Look, I know it's bad. I know it's bad. I know what they did wrecked your childhood and they took your innocence and they exposed you to horrible stuff. I know what they did wrecked your credit rating. I know it ruined your reputation I know it destroyed your business. I know it was horrible. I know there's some things you're not going to get to experience because of what they did to you. You got a bad deal. But Paul says, keep in mind that all of this happened underneath the canopy and the umbrella of God looking you in the eye and saying, I'm not going to hold you accountable for what you did wrong in your life. I'm going to pardon you so that we can have relationship. Paul says the thing that should motivate us to forgive the people who have hurt us the most or at least consider it or get kind of close to the line and and sort of thinking about it is not simply that they deserve it because they don't. They don't. But because God forgave you of what you did wrong. And this this is amazing. This is amazing. God does not factor your sin into into his relationship with you. He freed himself from the burden of looking at you through the filter of everything you've done wrong. Another way to say it, your future relationship with God is not shadowed or overshadowed by your sin. He disconnected your past sin from his future relationship with you. Paul says we've got the same opportunity right here. We can decide to decouple. We can decide to disconnect what has been done to us from our future the very same exercise of forgiveness. Your best bet, your best bet for moving into round two is to choose. You don't owe me. You don't owe me. Pardon uncouples their impact on your future. Paul says, look, you want to live without your past, controlling your future. You want to go forward without what they did impacting your future relationships and future decisions. Of course you do. Then pardon as you have been pardoned. Forgive as you have been forgiven. And we'll add this. This is key. You go first so you can go on. Don't wait on them. They probably don't even remember or they don't care. But you go first so you can go on. You don't have to wait. You can decide. Okay, application time. I'm going to give you some next steps and we're going to get out of here. Here's your next step. This is a big one. This is a big one. Everything else I've asked you to do in this series has been easy. This one's not easy. Really just one. Make a list of what they owe you. Y'all know I like it whenever you write stuff down. So sit down with your pen and some paper and make a list of everything that they owe you. It's a powerful thing and it's probably going to take you a while. But a pardon is deciding that someone doesn't owe you for what they did. So you need to know, you need the list of the crimes. Sit down, write it down exactly what they did. What did they take from me? What exactly did they do? What exactly did they lie about? And this list is probably going to be longer than you imagined. But as you make that list, some of the energy is going to come out of your story. And once you've figured out what they owe you, here's what you've got to do. You've got to take that list or your ream of paper, whatever it is. You've got to hold it up and you've got to say, you don't owe me. For any of it. And honestly. Most of what they owe you. They can't pay back anyway. They can't give it back to you anyway. How tragic to spend the rest of your life. Waiting to be paid back. For something that can't ever be paid back. Your wacky dad can't give your teenage years back to you. Your messed up mom can't give you back what she took. Why hold the debt over someone's head that they can't even possibly pay back? And in some cases, they're not even here anymore. List what they owe, all of it, and pardon. Why? So your past won't follow you into your future. So you can live in freedom. You got to release it. You have to decide. If you do, your past will remind you, but it won't define you. Release your past so your past can release you. If you want next time to be better than last time, and all of us want next time to be better than last time, you got to own it. you got to own it. you got to own it so it won't own you. You've got to rethink it. you got to identify and reject the lethal assumptions kicking around in your brain, and you got to release it. You've got to pardon as you've been pardoned. If you'll do those things, yes, they take time. But if you'll do them, next time really can be better than last time. Thank you, Andy Stanley. Let's pray. Lord, and not any of this easy, none of it. Owning it, rethinking it, releasing it, figuring out what's kicking around in their brains, there's not a bit of it that's easy. So we need your help. We need you to help us. Help us with the process. Lord, as we start over, as we move out of round one and into round two, as we try to change what's already happening in round two, help us, Lord. Let your word and the power of your word become real in our lives as we forgive and release and pardon stuff that somebody can't even pay back anymore. Lord, you've been more than gracious to me and forgiven me so much. Help me to forgive a little bit so that my future is free in Jesus' name.